And um, if you went round the corner now, that, I mean, that was filmed about a month ago, more than a month ago. And if you went around the corner now, Hope House has got new windows and it's far more nearly, nearly, nearly there. Downstairs, uh, I mean, credit to people who've worked hard on this. Pete Hinks and uh, Andy Hitchcock, Julia and, and Dan and everybody who's, who's contributed. Absolutely fantastic. So, um, so yeah, God's building his church. And um, we want to do a little bit of tag preaching, 45 minutes each, is that right? Okay. And um, so if you turn to Ephesians 3, the book of Ephesians is an amazing, amazing book. It's so, well, Martin Luther called it the Grand Canyon of Scripture, and it really is. I mean, if you read Ephesians over and over again, you're mouth gets wider and wider because it, you realize depth of stuff that Paul is coming out with here. And um, it gets to Ephesians 3, says an awful lot of stuff that we really need to think about. And we're going to look at a little bit today. Um, but he gets to Ephesians 3 and he just starts praying. As you do when, you, when you're writing stuff or you're talking to God and you, and, you, and you realize that the Spirit starts to pray through you. And the Spirit starts to pray through Paul. And he gets to Ephesians 3 verse 14. And, uh, and he says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Imagine somebody praying that over you. And then he says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. If you have an amplified version of that particular passage, that last bit, it says this, Now to him who is able to, in brackets, carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, our greatest hopes, or our wildest dreams, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. And God is building his church. Not just here, around the world. God is building his church. There's never been a time on earth where there's been more Christians. Never been a time. We, we hear all the negative stuff, don't we? About, oh, the church is in decline and people are emptying out of the church. The truth is, worldwide, there has never been more Christians alive. 
And we need to be encouraged by that. We need to be spurred on by that. We need to think about what that really means. God is building his church. And God is building this church, our church, Derby City Church, as a reflection of his kingdom, to manifest his kingdom as a reflection of heaven, if you like. A church of many generations. We've just said goodbye to one generation across the road. But there's many generations in this church, and we thank God for every single one of them. Many generations, that's God's kingdom. Many nations, that's God's kingdom. You look around, and there are people from many nations here. One particular nation has got a bit of a special day today. I think, is it Nigeria Independence Day or something like that? Yeah, there you go, there's a flag even. (laughs) But God is building his church. We are a reflection of heaven. The book of Ephesians tells us that the church, we exist solely to bring glory to God. That's why we exist. That's what we're about. That's what God wants to bring about in his church. We bring glory to God through living lives of worship, through loving one another, and through being obedient to God's word. It's not easy to do that. That's why God's placed us together to encourage one another, not to pull each other down, not to criticize one another, but to spur each other on. Yes, to challenge each other. Yes, to say to each other, come on, pull yourself together and build yourself up a bit, but to to, to glorify God by encouraging one another, living out Living out, the book says that God's manifold wisdom through his church, living out, sorry, the book also says that God's manifold wisdom through his church living out these lives is displayed to the rulers and to the authorities in the heavenly realms. Now that's a bit of a surprise. It's a surprising thing for Paul to say because Many of us would believe we're living out our lives to be a witness to other people who don't know Jesus. And that's not wrong. But Paul says, over and above that, we're living our lives to display to the heavenly realms the glory of God. And when you think of that, you think, well, the angels already know the glory of God. They surround God right now. But what Paul's actually saying to the demonic realms, to the powers, to the rulers, to the authorities that operate on earth that bring about all the sin and the horrible stuff that we see. And we as the church are to display God's glory to those powers. And that's a strange one because those powers can't be saved. They've rebelled. But actually, we're doing far more than that. Remember, God can do immeasurably more. So we're doing far more than that. If we're living our lives to display God's glory, yes, we are witnesses. We are witnesses to people who don't know him. But we're doing far more than that. That's why it's really important that we live our lives obedient to the word of God. That's why it's really important that we show love to one another and love to our neighbors. That's why it's really important that our characters are formed by Jesus. 
Paul says, first and foremost, we're displaying God's glory to the spiritual realms. And he says in Ephesians 2, 22, and in him, you are being built together to become a dwelling place by which God lives by his spirit. So when we're gathered together like this, God's spirit is present. God's, you can feel God's spirit here this morning. God's spirit is presence. He's here. Maybe tomorrow morning, when you're on your own, you might not sense God's spirit as much. But let me encourage you, God's spirit is with you. God's spirit is with you. Because God knows that you are out there in the world six days a week. And you're in here gathered together for just a couple of hours on a Sunday morning. So it's really important how you live your life, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so that together when we come together, we know God's Spirit is amongst us and we're open to what God's Spirit wants to speak to us about. I was incredibly struck by something I read this week by a brilliant author that I don't altogether agree with sometimes, Ruth Haley Barton. And she was talking about Ephesians and particularly about the first chapter in Ephesians, verse 4, where Paul writes, He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That's an, that's an amazing thing to imagine and to think about. God chose you before he created anything in him. He knew that you were going to be saved. He knew that you were going to know him before he even created the slightest bit of uh, dust even. But then she asks this question. Are we, you and me, are we living our lives as human beings trying to be better spiritually? Or are we spiritual beings who should rely on God to help us be better humans? And that deserves some thought, that. Because that might help us flip a lot of stuff and a lot of bad habits in our lives. We need to ask ourselves a question. What does it mean for me to be a spiritual being? To be aware of that. To be a spiritual being having a human experience. How does that relate to my everyday life? Sometimes we struggle being hu as human beings because we, we never think we're good enough spiritual, spiritually. But actually... It's true to say God made us spiritual beings and he's helping us be better humans. In fact, Jesus, when he, when he gives his teachings, Jesus always says, go, go now and do likewise. Go and do the same. And he's got a very practical human application. He almost assumes that we're just spiritual beings and we struggle with that. Maybe... We shouldn't be human beings striving to be spiritual. Maybe we're spiritual beings. And we need to get used to that and ask God to help us be better humans. Ephesians also, don't let that scramble your brain too much, okay? <laughs> Think about it though this week. Ephesians also teaches us that the church brings glory to God through suffering. And primarily strangely, through the suffering of its ministers, which is interesting. Paul's writing this letter to the Ephesians. He knows that it'll go wider than the Ephesians. But Paul's in prison. 
He's not sat in a comfortable house. He's in prison. He's able to write, but we don't know what, how difficult that is. We, but we know when we look further, Paul is suffering for the gospel. He's a minister of the gospel. It's not easy to have a calling of God on your life. You know, we get up here and we smile. He smiles better than me. He's got better teeth than me. But um, it's not easy being a minister. It's not. And I don't want you to feel sorry for us. All I'm saying is, isn't it true that God reveals his glory in the church? Certainly we've, I know, we've experienced it just, just recently. And actually, primarily, the minister's wife. Lisa's been suffering. I have to say, thank you to everybody for your love, for your prayers, because God is displaying his glory through the church. Lisa's out in a wheelchair now. And that's amazing. That's amazing. And God motivates the body to, sh to pray, to show love to manifest his glory. And God's done it before with you guys. And it's hard. And it's, it's pretty awful. But, but God uses it for his glory. And God hones us more. Uh, he suffers. I know that. Let me tell you, Maddie suffers. I mean, being married to him, you would suffer, wouldn't you? But, but, but God brings, a, brings about his glory through that. And Paul describes this as the unfathomable wisdom of God. So I can't even begin to try and understand why God does it that way. I've tried and I just make myself miserable. But God does it that way. It's unfathomable. So just trust him. Just trust him. Because he's bringing about glory in his church. He says this, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. According to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, says Paul, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. So how do we bring about God's glory? How do we bring glory to God? Well, I bring and you bring what little you have, be it little or be it much, but we bring it with a pure heart and a great expectation. I want you to think about what was going on in the life of the little lad that brought his lunch to Jesus. It says in John, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And he asked this, uh, this only to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered, well, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each of these to have a bite. 
Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish. But how far is that going to go along so many? I mean, I wonder if that small boy had more faith than all the disciples put together. Jesus says, doesn't he? Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That boy seems to believe that Jesus can do more with the five loaves and the two fish than anybody else believes. And here's Paul saying in Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. So what are you asking for? What am I asking for? What are we as God's church asking for? What do we imagine that God can do? Whatever we can imagine, whatever we can ask, God can do superabundantly more, immeasurably more. I said before, forgive me if you heard this before, you know, the church that I was at previously, very much like this in, in age, shape, uh, up in Leeds, we were city centre. The place was packed. It was a sweatbox in summer. It was, un- it was awful. You know, we were, we were like sardines every Sunday. And we were praying, God, God, give us a bigger space. Give us a bigger space. And we were looking and looking and looking. And uh, we started a building fund. And people gave, and people started to give, and we started to pray. And yet we couldn't find anywhere, anywhere. And then suddenly, we heard that the city council were going to develop the city centre. And it was wise to get our building valued. So we got a guy to come and look round the building. And it was old, it was shabby, it was more dilapidated uh, than, than this by a long chalk. And, uh, and he, he, well, okay, you might get a million for it. You might get a million and a half, who knows, but that, that's about it. Well, we thought, well, that's not, that's not bad. I wonder what you can get for a million, million and a half. And we started looking around the city centre of Leeds and you can't get anything. And then the developers came and sat down with us and said, like, you know, look, we'd like to negotiate with you. Are you willing to talk? And, like, you know, guys more brainy than me said, well, it all depends. It all depends what you're asking. And on the table, straight away, they said, well, we're thinking £8.9 million. <laughs> so the guys were kicking each other under the table. <laughs> and the church carried on praying, carried on giving, and raised a lot of money, £2 million, a lot of money. But in the end, we bought a site which was city centre. It was an abandoned high school, so it was massive. And we renovated it and moved in. And the whole site was worth £14 million. And the church was, didn't have a penny debt. And no one ever imagined that. No one even asked for that. You know, it was beyond our imagination. But God superabundantly took what people gave and increased it 
and multiplied it. And God never does the same thing. So God might do differently with us. We're not saying that. All we're saying is, do we trust God? Do we trust God to do more? Today, yes, is our giving day. But let me encourage you. God knows how much you give in your time, in your commitment, in your care. And all that is to his glory. If it's given with a pure heart, this is a wonderful church. You are wonderful people. God is making you more wonderful. But he also wants you to know that you can trust him in every area of your life, even in your finances. The more we trust him, the more his glory is displayed. So be like the little lad. Give what you have in the full expectation that God can do immeasurably more. Over to Dan. Thank you. Throughout this whole process um, of the Hope House and renovations in the life of the church, like God, God is speaking, has been speaking through through that. And I was just, I would just remember this morning um, what God was saying to Pastor Andy um, a few months ago, and um, and he had these words from the Lord saying, "Don't go ahead of me." You know, don't go ahead of me. It can be easy where um, to go over, to go ahead of the Lord. Sometimes we kind of rush into it, um, but but God said, "Don't go ahead of me. Trust me. You know, trust the process." And um, I just want to encourage you this morning to to keep on trusting God. Um, as Andy was sh- sh- uh, sharing there, as he was closing, just trust in God. Trust in the God who is able. God is able, which means He can do it. He can do all things. He can do all things. With God, all things are possible. Trust in the God who can do exceedingly more than you can imagine in you and through you. Trust in the God who sees what we cannot see. Trust in the God whose ways are higher than our ways. And this is what, this is what it means to put our trust in God. It means having full confidence that he is in control. Jeremiah seventeen seven. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. What it means to put our trust in the Lord. It means believe in every word and, the pro- and every promise that he says over us. And we speak these words over you this morning, just as the Apostle Paul spoke to the church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. We thank God continually because when you have received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accept accepted it not as a human word but as it actually is the word of God which is indeed at work in you who believe what does it mean to trust in God it means doing what he is asking of us Matthew 28 before Jesus ascends to heaven go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. It means relying on him regardless on the circumstance we are in. Psalm 9.9, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. 
Trusting God is shown through our relationship with him. It's shown through our journey with Jesus. And through all the miracles, through all the provision, through all the breakthroughs, through all the blessings that God pours in our life, ultimately he still keeps chasing after relationship with us. And so for us, it's, it, it can be easy for all the practical things that are going on to actually be a distraction from our relationship with Jesus sometimes. But God's saying, I am pursuing you. I am still chasing you through this. I still want relationship with you in this. I am still here and I am at work in this and through this. And in the Bible, Jesus had a few people who followed him known as the disciples. And this passage, after the passage I shared last Sunday, when Jesus reveals to doubting Thomas, he reveals to the disciples again in John chapter 21. And let me just read these verses from 1 to 14. It's a miraculous catch of fish. Of fish. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you have any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net out on the right side of the boat, and then you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus Love said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat toward the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Wow. Trust in the Lord by not giving up. Trust in the Lord by not giving up. Our trust in God is in our perseverance that his glory will be revealed in us. Early in that morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. I love how the disciples, they could have easily given up that night, you know, of throwing their net out and pulling it in. Throwing, pulling it in. They could have easily given up, but they did not give up. Keep going. I want to say to the church, keep going. Do not stop casting out your nets. Do not give up praying. Do not give up reading his word. Do not give up meeting together. Do not give up serving. Do not give up giving to him. Keep holding on to the hope that Jesus is there, that he is living and that he is active, that he is standing on the shore of your life. Put your trust in the God who is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. His presence is there. Jesus is there when you feel like giving up. It is there even when you do not recognize 
it is him. See, I wonder how many moments we've actually uh, not realized that Jesus was there. I wonder how many moments we've missed that Jesus was actually present amongst us. But the truth for us today is, Andy shared that he is always there. He's always there. He has given us his spirit, which enables that he is with us wherever we go. So we can keep going. We can put our trust when we are throwing and pulling that net out. That God is with us and that his glory and his presence will be revealed in us and through us. One key verse that we started this year was, Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. So you can keep going. You can keep putting your trust in Jesus, knowing that he is there, he is watching you, and that he wants to do so much more in you and through you. Trust in the Lord by not giving up. Trust in the Lord by remembering his goodness. We sung, we praise God this morning for what he has done. See, in this passage, he said, throw your net out on your right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Can you remember that first catch. See, Jesus already appeared to his disciples prior to this after his re- resurrection. But I wonder in this miraculous catch that John remembered. He remembered the first rem- miraculous catch months ago. See, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 5, it's the calling of the first disciples. Peter, who was then known as Simon, which was frustrated again in the night because of not catching any fish. But Jesus came. He stood in his boat. He taught the people and asked Simon to put out into deep water. And when they did what he asked, they caught such a large number that the, na- the nets began to break. John was there in that moment. So I wonder in this second miraculous catch that he remembered. He remembered the God of more you can imagine. In this moment of the miraculous catch early morning, he remembered that this was done before. He remembered that there must be only one who can do this for us. It must have been Jesus. He must be him. It is the Lord. So our trust in God is in our remembrance of his goodness. We've got to remember of what he has done before in order to keep trusting him and what he's going to do ahead of us. 12, 13 years ago, we nearly moved. This church nearly moved location. The plans were set in place. Weatherspoons were going to come and take it, but plans fell through. And we're thinking, God, what is happening? It, we thought we, we, we had a plan, but it fell through. And through that process, the Hope Center building came available. And so God was saying, I want you here. I want you here in this community. See, God says, my ways are not your ways. My ways are higher. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My, my ways are greater. Trust me. I'm here. I want you exactly where I want you. Can you remember that first miraculous catch? John remembered it must have been the Lord because he's done this before and he's going to do it again. We've got to keep on trusting the Lord by remembering his goodness. Remember what he's done. We praise God for what he has done. Let me close with this. Our trust in the Lord, it leads to beautiful fellowship with him. I love it in this passage where Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. 
But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples. Jesus, he wants to fellowship in the blessing with us. Through all the wonders, the blessings, the breakthroughs, the miracles, Jesus is pursuing us. All he wants from us today is relationship with him. Come and have breakfast. Come and bring what I have provided for you. Come and celebrate with me. Come and enjoy my presence. Because God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Therefore, today, in our giving, in our offering, we can keep on putting our trust in him. We can trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. We can, in all our ways, acknowledge him and he will make our path straight. So I encourage us this morning to trust in the Lord by not giving up. Trust in the Lord by remembering his goodness. And our trust in the Lord leads to beautiful fellowship with him. People let us down. People say, you can trust me. But we're human. We cannot put full confidence in one another because we do. Things come up. We have to let people down sometimes. But there is one person who will never let us down. And it's our relationship with Jesus Christ. God is able And with him, all things are possible. And with him, he can do far more than we even ask or imagine. According to his power, his power, his spirit that is at work in us and through us. So today we give our special offering. We give this offering to the work that God is doing here in our community. We believe God is here. We believe God is calling us to reach many people, many nations in our community Many people are still coming to the Hope Center building. And we believe there's going to be people in that Hope House where lives are going to be transformed. I had this word when we were praying. The staff team were praying in the the house a couple of, uh, about a week or so ago. And I had this word that this house is going to be a place of refuge. That this is where where God's transformation is going to happen. People will come in with lives broken, with lives feeling hopeless, of not knowing what to do. They were wanting some kind of breakthrough. But I believe that starting point, that house right there, is going to be a starting point of refuge for people. And that they will walk out of that house knowing that God is their refuge, that God is their strength, that God is their ever-present help in times of trouble. I believe that, and I believe that in amongst our community. I believe that in the growing kids' work and youth work we have in the life of the church. We've got to trust him right where we are. And so we're going to give our offering, offering to him now, and we're going to pray. We want to let me um, declare this prayer over us as we give to him. Thank you, Lord. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whose whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you 
with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So, Heavenly Father, we give this offering to you today. And we give by putting our trust in you. We give with joyful praise, believing that you are at work in this community, in the life of this church, that you are still building your church. And there is so much more to come. We believe with faith. We, be, we move forward with hope that, God, you are able you are able. You can do it. You can do all things. And so we give it to you today. In your mighty name. Amen.